Andy retirees over there, huh? How about that? We told you, we just go to absolutely no expense to bring you the finest entertainment that money can't buy. <laughs> That's right. So we are so excited that uh, you are here tonight. And what an, another great opportunity to um, be in fellowship together and enjoy uh, companies. Who thinks they had the best table here tonight? Raise your hand. All right. Oh. It didn't go so well over there, huh? Okay. Uh, no, this is great. And Ash, we're just excited to get a chance to hear you again. So let's give it up for Ash, huh? Okay. All right. All right. Am I on? I kind of feel like that guy in the back. Sorry. Okay, let's get spiritual. Right now. There you go. Uh, well, you know, when I said uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday so long ago uh, with Pete, like I know that when people speak and stuff, you, uh, you're not really looking for it, but you kind of, you know, become a spiritual director or a spiritual leader. And I want to tell you, I'm worried about you guys. <laughs> because you guys cried more about the lost dog than you did Jesus on the cross. <laughs> So I wanted to start with just, a, I want to clear things up. I want you to know that Tammy, my sweet dog, she lived. She lived. <laughs> I pulled into the uh, pasture that night, and she was asleep on my coat. I opened up my door. The uh, car was running, and the lights were on her, and she came running and jumping up into my white crushed velvet tux. She got in the front seat, and uh, true to prom, tradition, I took my date to the Dairy Queen, and she had a large vanilla ice cream cone. And uh, I think I had to pay a $5 fee because of all the mud and the burrs and the, and the dog hair, you know, on the tux, which in 1974 was, was a lot of money. So, but uh, wow, it was a, uh, a great celebration, a great celebration. And you know, the Christian life ought to be full of stories of redemption and uh, recovery. The Christian life should be a story of, of celebration. If you feel uh, the love of God in your heart, then would you please every day and notify your faith? If you feel the love of God in your heart, notify your face. Because you are the temple of God and you are in line at McDonald's, uh, that poor little 16-year-old kid who's making uh, minimum wage, she looks at the 10 grouchy people waiting to order their Big Mac, she should be able to spot the Christian because of the love of Jesus on your face. You know, I know that uh, Jesus was a wild, uh, please don't take this wrong, Jesus was a wild party animal. I think he was the best storyteller that ever lived. I would have, uh, when I get to heaven, uh, late Billy Graham's brother-in-law says that the most uttered word in heaven is going to be, oh, oh. And I would love to uh, have a campfire with Jesus and say, would you please tell me those stories that you told with the disciples, just all the guys around the fire. I do not believe in coincidence because of Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20. And he is before all things, and in him 
all things hold together. It was not an accident that my wife left me. It was not an accident that uh, my stepdad abused me. It's not an accident that people I love have died of cancer. I don't understand it, but I believe there is no coincidence. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So that makes me feel safe. That makes me breathe. And it makes me put on my party face. Because he's got tomorrow too. He's got tomorrow too. I believe that it is no coincidence that Jesus' very first miracle was at a party. Just about like this. It was a great celebration and it was a wedding. And I want us to take a look at it tonight. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited. So he didn't crash this thing. He was supposed to be there. And his disciples were there too, to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. She was a straight shooter. Now, back in these days in Jewish weddings, and I think even today, a wedding was not a 22-minute thing like it is today. Isn't it wild? Uh, weddings last about 28 minutes. Minutes, funerals are about 16. But back in these days, it was like a week-long thing. It was a big party. And remember when I told you today that there was only one rule about a leper? You never touched a leper. Well, with weddings in those days in Jerusalem, you never ran out of wine. Yes. <laughs> they ran out of wine. And I don't know what day of the, uh, the wedding feast it was, if it was the last one, uh, but it was a, a huge uh, uh, faux pas for the family. Like you just did not run out of wine. And Jesus said to her, uh, what do I have to do with that? My hour has not come. Jesus had not re revealed himself to the world as God among us. And this was his first miracle that proclaimed to the world and caused people to believe that Jesus was God. I wonder uh, what event that was in your life. What was it that made you realize, wow, Jesus is God, and I'm going to believe in him, and I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. John chapter 2 is a wedding, and then his mother said to the servants, and this is a great lesson for all of us, whatever he says to do, do it. Whatever he says to do, do it. You could go on a marriage booster a weekend. You could go to counseling for 15 years. And if you walked away to be able to look in your spouse's eye and say, whatever he says, do it. Uh, that would be a huge success. Now, there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons of water each. Okay, uh, I've been to the church in Cana, 
And outside there are these three, or there are these six stone pots. And uh, they hold 30 gallons of water each. So imagine a huge aquarium. So it's about, it's about this big around, and it's, it's about this tall. It's like the apple pail I put out for George, who didn't get it. And there were six of them. And so like today, uh, like last night, we were at Loon Lodge, and people would walk in, and they would take off their shoes. There was a purification uh, a tradition that when you walked in someone's house, that you would take your shoes off and you would dip your toes into like a, a, a little pail of water. And it was a, a purification deal. You would wash your feet before you went into their house. So at a wedding, like let's just imagine 500 people going into a wedding today. You would take your shoes off, you would take your socks off, and you would swish your feet. And then all these servants would come and they would patch your uh, feet dry with a little towel, and then you would go on. So Jesus said, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. So six water pots, 30 gallons each, filled to the top, and this was water that people had washed their feet in. It was foot water. Foot water. These people were shepherds. They had stinky, sweaty desert feet. There were probably little sheep biscuits floating around (laughs) in those stone pots. And Jesus said, fill them to the top. Here's a great uh, side lesson uh, that I just thought of. (laughs) I love it that Jesus did not say, get rid of the foot water first and then fill up the pots. Just fill it up the way it is. Like Jesus will take you just, just the way you are. You do not need to get your foot water clean for Jesus to love you and command your life. And then he said to them, draw some of the water out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And now this is my favorite part. So these are servants doing all this, all right? And the mother said, whatever he says, do it. So it probably was a wild idea for them to fill up the foot water, but they did it. And they said, okay, take a glass, dip the foot water, and then take it to the mater d, the head guy, the dude who's in charge of the wine. And they were probably a little terrified. That's like their boss, okay? So I think, okay, maybe they drew straws. Okay, who's going to take the foot water to the boss? Okay, so one lucky guy gets it. And uh, the other five or six waiters, you know, they're, they're hiding behind the, the counter watching. And the dude puts a little towel around his arm, and he takes the foot water to the boss, hands it to him, and then turns around and he takes off running, okay? And here's what happened. The head waiter, the guy in charge of all the festivities, And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had, been, had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. And the head waiter called to the bridegroom, and he said, 
Every man serves the good wine first. And when men have drunk freely, then that which is poorer, you have kept the good wine until now. So everybody gets a little bit wasted on the cheap stuff. And then they bring out the good stuff. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. It has been an unbelievable weekend and we're not done yet. I hope that uh, between now and when you leave tomorrow, that in your heart and in your spirit and in your families, that you will swoosh your feet. You will swoosh your feet. Get rid of all the sheep biscuits in your life and dump them on Jesus. He, he wants it just the way. Jesus will turn your foot water into wine. He will take the most grotesque, terrible, ugly, ridiculous things and he will turn them into something beautiful and sweet and useful and eternal. Remember that's whittling and carving. He can take the most insignificant thing and turn it into something absolutely uh, beautiful. Foot water can be turned to wine and so get ready I have one more little encouraging story for you and then we'll call it a night so uh, I told you I would go hunting every day I lived on a dead-end street with like 11 houses and the deal was it was in the middle of nowhere and there was a developer who was gonna put like 500 houses but he built 11, and then he ran out of money. So at the end of our dead-end street was a lake. And to my stepdad's credit, uh, that's where I learned to swim. We went out on the dock one day, and he said, do you know how to swim, boy? And I said, no, sir. And he says, does your dog know how to swim? And I said, no, sir. And he grabbed Tammy, who was just a puppy. Uh, this has a good ending, okay, so don't be worried. <laughs> He tosses Tammy out in the water. Tammy sinks. I'm getting ready to go in after, but all of a sudden, Tammy sputters up, and she swims back to the dock. And I went out to, uh, to, you know, to get her, to welcome her, and then he, he noticed I was afraid to go in, and he, he said, can you swim? And I said, no. And he, he said, come here, boy. And he grabs me by the belt, and he grabs me by the back of the neck, and he throws me in the water. And that's how I learned to swim. I fished. And I would skin dive in that lake. But, uh, and I hunted in all the fields. But all my friends were farmer kids. And uh, by the time I was like uh, 12, 13, 14, I had pulled calves. I had uh, uh, milked cow. We, we did all kinds of stuff. Like we would cut horns off. We would put uh, cows in a, a, a big neck thing. And we would you know, do castrations and every, everything. Every, everything a little boy dreams of doing. 
my farmer buddy Steve, he had this big barn, but there were no animals except one, and it was a burrow. Now, burrows are like those little donkeys, the cute little long-faced donkeys with the long ears, like they're just like this tall. And we would ride this, this burrow all day long because the deal was we learned that burrows are good for one thing, and that's going home. So the, <laughs> once a burrow has like its nest, its barn, like you have to pull and fight and kick and tug this burrow away from the barn. And then when you let go, it runs back. Like they're like homing pigeons. So me and my friend all day, we would drag this burrow out. One of us would hop on it. You'd let go and it would rip back to the barn like three football fields away. It would take like a half hour to drag it out and then like a minute and a half to get back. Burrows are good for one thing, going home. Right out of college, uh, I was in the Forest Service in East Texas for like four months. And uh, I noticed that there were burrows everywhere. I'd only met the one. So this old guy who was whittling on the courthouse square in Hemphill, Texas, I said, sir, uh, why is it that there are so many burrows in Texas? And he spit tobacco and he said, you mean you don't know, boy? I said, no, sir, I do not. And he said that burrows were bred as utility animals. And so when cowboys would be taking a herd of cattle, like thousands of steers, like back to the ranch or to someplace, that there would always be one lost steer who would continually like get away. And then the cowboys would ride over there with their horses and get it back, you know, with the herd. But if it did it too many times, they would not waste time. So what they would do is they would lasso the burrow around the neck. And then they would lasso the lost steer around the neck. And they would tie them together neck to neck. And at first it was not good news for the burrow. <laughs> there was a little burrow feet and fur flying all over the place while this steer was like kicking and fighting and bunk, uh, bucking and snorting and all that. Okay, but then the steer would stop for just a second. And then the burrow would take one step towards home. And five or six days later, when the cowboys are back at the ranch uh, doing what cowboys do, here comes a little burrow trotting into camp with a lost steer. Uh, you know what I see before me right now? I see a room full of burrows for the Lord. Tie your life next to your children and your grandchildren and your spouses and your friends. Even at times like in my family when my oldest boy had an ankle bracelet. I went to him in, in jail for one night. He had an orange jumpsuit on and I looked through this little cubicle and, and he's all embarrassed. He's looking down. It's like the Lord put him in there just for that maybe. And I said, son, this is all my fault, man. I'm sorry. He looked, looked all confused and I go, 
since you were a little boy, I pray that you would never get away with anything. <laughs> and he said, Dad, uh, they'll let me have a Bible. And I took him one step towards home. A room full of burrows of the Lord. We're going to get t-shirts. Uh, Pete, can we get t-shirts? <laughs> Family Fest 2018, burrows for the Lord. And on the back, it'll say, jackass for Jesus. <laughs> may the Lord bless and keep you. And may his face shine upon you. Uh, the rest of this night and all the days of your life. And may you swoosh your feet in the holy sacrifice of Jesus Christ and get the sheep biscuits out of your life and he will turn your foot water into sweet tasting wine. Bless them, Jesus. Bless them, Jesus. Bless them, Jesus, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You're welcome.